their stories being told. By people who are out of their minds. That's what we've always believed. Welcome to Lie Patrol, an edutainment podcast that brings to light ingenious, interesting, and sometimes unbelievable stories from history and mixes in creative storytelling. Every episode, we hope you learn at least four facts that you can use around the dinner table or add Bohemian Grove to astound your family, friends, or some down-to-earth lizard people. The headlines are ear-catching, that can't be true factoids, while the explanations show you just how real they are. Every week, there'll be two little lies thrown into the mix to keep us on our toes and vigilant for the truth. My name is Brenna. And I'm Michael. The topic this week is... Toys? Toys. Yeah, yes. we did toys this week. And I think we both uh, agree that the movie Toy Story made research for this awful. Yeah. Uh, I wanted to express my disgust for Disney <laughs> and search engine optimization. <laughs> so... Often when researching, well, I don't know about you, but I don't really ever have three stories ready to go. Uh, it's usually like one really good one that caught my attention, and then one that I found in the process of researching the first one, and then I have to go looking for a third. That was the case this week. He's just admitting that he's a slacker. And this is this is our probably both of our issues with Disney is and search engine optimization is. They both have prevented any search with the words toy and story in them from not pointing to toy story. Even if they're separated by like five or six words, it, it'll still point, it'll be... Everything oh, is toy story. Toy story 1995 trailer. <laughs> Super frustrating. And why do they have a vault? Oh, that's easy. To control the demand. Children don't give a hoot about supply-side economics. Yeah, but Disney's making them. They know that their parents are be- beg and beg and beg, and so, you know, they have to create a demand, okay. a false demand. Let's stop there, because I feel like we are going to get hate mail for this. So, anyways, Disney sucks. <laughs> Would you like to hear my stories this week? No. Okay. Well, that's, that's the, the show! Yeah, let me hear your stupid toy stories. (laughs) I've driven America's most popular car before I was even allowed to drive. The original name and patent for Twister was Knotted. Lego was named after a bottle of wine. Also, as I'm reading this, I realized that I did a lot more looking into the patents behind this stuff this week because of all the research I did last week. Wait, you ended up doing what? looked at a lot more of the patents behind all these. Oh, because, yeah, no, so now you're all they, super interested. Because now I'm super vigilant about it, yeah. Yeah. Well, that's good for you. I saw the Twister one, and I can't remember what it freaking was called. And I don't know if it was knotted. I feel like it was called something dirtier. It was, like, tied up or something like that, and... The jokes were like, oh, yeah, you got to teach kids about leather when they're young. (laughs) Or like some SDS. I'm going to hesitate telling you about this right now 
but the reason I found this was I found an article that said, "Sex in a box," uh, what uh, what Hasbro is selling or something like that. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's what Twister was. <laughs> I mean, where's the lie though? <laughs> Okay, uh, what was the first one? I've driven America's most popular car. Oh, right, right. I don't need to hear the rest of that. That's a horrible... Nobody cares about what you did. Anyways. <laughs> well, I want to put you, but... I never had a, any of that stuff. Well, you don't even know what I'm talking about. I had a little Tykes car, and that's got to be the most popular car, because everybody had one of those. <laughs> well, anyways... What's number three? Lego was named after a bottle of wine. I'm gonna go with uh, let's go with the car. Yeah, so you you are you are right. <laughs> Is it the little Tykes car? So finding consistent sales figures for this car was kind of difficult, but in 1991, the company produced over 500,000 of them. There's a pretty good chance that the car I drove was one of these 1991 models. Jim Mariel was a former automobile designer in Hudson, Ohio. He was scooting around his office chair one day, and like a ton of bricks, an idea hit him. A functionally fun car. But for kids. For kids, you know. He began to prototype. After a few months, he brought his idea and a rough first prototype to the president of Little Tykes, Tom Murdaugh. Murdaugh demanded that they get the car into production as soon as possible. By 1982... Mariel had the patent to his car, the toy automobile. Though you already named it, it's the it's the cozy coupe. Ah, those are those are fun. Those you know he nailed that one right on the head. The first cozy coupe was sold in 1979, and they sold like gangbusters, with its distinctive red body, white headlights, and yellow roof. Parents everywhere were buying them for their children. In 1991, Little Tykes sold over 500000 making it the best-selling car that year. The Cozy Coupe remained in the top 10 over the next 18 years before reclaiming the title of best-selling car in America in 2009. So it is kind of a jokey one because they weren't actually being compared to, like, the right, Toyota they're Camry not, yeah. or Honda Civic. I honestly thought you were going to tell me that one of, the, like, the Power Wheels that was done after Jeep or something. <laughs> the G.I. Like, Joe Power Wheels. Mackerel, I never was allowed to have Jeep products as a child. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was cute. I like that story. Okay, so, uh, original name and patent for Twister or Lego was named after a bottle of wine. What, what would it even be called, like... Lego my Sauvignon Blanc. <laughs> Imagine two guys with their hands on a bottle. Of bottle. Lego, Lego. <laughs> no, you Lego. No, you Lego. Hey, we should both Lego. And then they went in 50-50 on the patent for Legos. And it's the rest is history. It's a beautifully fictionalized version of a name. <laughs> <laughs> I wish the world was a different way. <laughs> <laughs> the world would be so much better if it was just not. <laughs> if it was just not. <laughs> and that was the first dark thing we've talked about so far. <laughs> the world not existing. Okay. Yeah, and you know what? Give me Legos. Okay, so 
real quick before I say this guy's name, and his name is pretty pretty dope. Uh, when I was reading it online, that it wasn't made explicitly clear what was part of his name. So his name is Ole Kirk Christensen, and I was reading as Ole Kirk Christensen. <laughs> And it, it actually took me about halfway through writing this. Oh, Ole's is that's that's a part of his name. <laughs> the name's Old Kirk Christensen. Old Kirk Christensen. <laughs> oh my God. Ole Kirk Christensen was a carpenter from Billund, Denmark. He opened his first wood shop in 1916, making house pieces and furniture for farmers in the area. His business was doing well when, in 1924, his shop caught fire. Being a wood shop, it burned to the ground. Oh, yeah, that that's um one of those problems, isn't that in uh, one of those one of the little three piggies had a wood house? The house made of straw. Well, there's one made. I thought it was one made out of wood too, but okay. Oh. And then stone. It doesn't matter. It was a joke about the house falling down. <laughs> Anyways. It also burned down his house, which oh. was attached to the shop. Oh. Goaded on by his great ambition, Christensen built a bigger wood shop and expanded his business. In <laughs> That small wood shop was just holding me back. I just, all I needed to do was burn the hell down. Until a year later, lightning struck the bigger shop and burned it to the ground again. <laughs> But the third shop, the third shop we built, and it stands today. Still not deterred, Olay rebuilt his shop again. And then the depression hit. Oh no. Olay was on the hunt for cost-saving techniques and turned to making miniatures of the pieces to showcase his work or put them in little dioramas so his customers could see how they would fit and scale down space. In 1932, Olay's wife passed away and he was having trouble making ends meet. He laid off almost all of his staff. Oh, hey, that's sad. At least his third shop didn't burn down. No, you just can't get anything moving out because of the depression. Ole saw a new emerging market, cheap toys, and began building small toys to sell in addition to his furniture. Pole toys, piggy banks, cars. He thought that while the furniture wasn't really moving, cheap toys might actually get people in the shop and sell. It worked for a bit, and then business dried up completely. Ole went bankrupt. His siblings tried to bail out his loans and made it a condition that he would stop producing toys. But Ole didn't quit building toys. Ooh, FTP. In 1934, he held a contest among his among his staff to name the newly founded company, which I'll get back to in a minute. Lego. It's Lego, right? The story about Lego falls pretty much the same formula as other inventors from the area. Good idea, depression hits. Persevere, gain a base, endure World War II, start raking profits in the post-war. And if you're really interested, there's some links in the show notes, but I'm not going to delve into them here because I don't find it particularly interesting. And I don't think you'd like to hear me just doubting facts. So, we're going to play a quick quiz. I'll ask a question and then you'll answer. You guys know how good I am at this. Very great. What's the plural for Lego? <sighs> so hard i didn't even study i didn't get a study guide oh my god uh legos le le legs it's a, le leggies it's a murder of lego ah, i got you it's just lego oh god <laughs> i was about to say 
That's so cool. But of course, Lego let me down again. And it's for a very specific reason. There's a lot of competitors to Lego, like Duplo and Lincoln Logs. In order for Lego to keep the trademark over its name, it needs to show that they use it consistently and normally refer to it as such. So I imagine it's a pretty big deal internally to always refer to Lego in this reason. Else, Lego could fall into the trap of Kleenex or Band-Aids being the product that makes the name but not owning all the products. True. How accurate do you think each piece is? And, like, can you explain dimensionally or, like, how many pieces get rejected? How accurate it is to life-size Legos that I run into all the time when I no. build my, like, houses out of? No. Oh. Think about it. You build, you build, you, they get molten plastic, it's poured into a mold, and then they get popped out. So, like, how accurate are they to how take, they're supposed to fit together and things? And if you take the caliper to them, how accurate to the, the specification are they? You're probably going to say it's incredibly accurate, but I just remember things didn't always fit right incredibly accurate down to the t even though they don't measure in t t <laughs> yeah you know when they say measure to the t I mean, that's kind of a time thing <laughs> i think i don't know what it meant i don't know what that reference is i don't know where we get these things that we say it's about 2007 inch oh so they're really bad or, 18 pieces in a million do not meet the standards. Lego sets for their pieces. Okay, and then to the to the 2000s thing. To put it in perspective, the thinnest hair is flaxen hair. And it is about a, a thousandth of an inch thick. Lego pieces are accurate when two strands of flaxen hair. What's even crazier is the original pieces made in 1958 were also made to a high standard of accuracy. And could be used with today's pieces. No problem. Wow. See, I never had a problem getting them together. It was getting them unstuck. Oh, it's so hard getting them. There were times I would just, like, try to stomp them on the ground to get them apart. Oh, when my God. When you had to the screwdriver out, it was a bad Yeah. Thing. Oh, my God. You you ever see, like, you go back and you look and you see, like, the edges where, like, They're you dug world, under. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, so where does wine come in? Because I remember this I'll, is me being we'll right get to that. We're, we're still in the quiz round. Oh, God, I forgot we're in the quiz round. So this should be easy. Who are the top three tire producers each year? Tire? Yes. Goodyear, Michelin, and... Lego. You only did that because I started laughing at you. <laughs> what? Okay, put them in order. Goodyear, Michelin, Lego. So Lego's number three? Sure. Wrong, Lego's number one. Oh, because they make the most tires for all their little tiny little cars? Yeah, uh, so actually it's Bridgestone in Michelin. I forgot about Bridgestone. Uh, Goodyear's not even up there? Uh, I believe they're number four. Oh my god, that marshmallow man's beating them out. So Bridgestone and Michelin produce about 190 million tires each year. Uh, and that's individually, so they make like almost 400 million. That's insane, that's so much rubber. Lego makes around 320 million per year. Like... Almost, well, not almost double, but like one and a half times the amount of tires. Okay. The, the thing is, they use a lot less rubber because their tires are a lot smaller. I'm not sure you if you don't know this. say. Oh my god. Well, okay. 
But we were just on the Columbia River and we saw quite a few tires. How many Lego tires do you think people have had to dump in the Columbia? Well, I haven't. I didn't see any, so I. They're all at the bottom. They probably sink. <laughs> Actually, they probably do sink. There's probably a little Lego ship that was carrying Lego tires and it sank. They're <laughs> hitting a sandbank. Oh, there's there's. We need to do like ocean currents or something because there's that story of the rubber ducks and the Garf. Uh, the, the, I thought it was Mickey Mouse phones, but there's it might a, be Garfield there's a, phones. There's Garfield phones, there's rubber ducks, there's, there's, there's a lot all of, kinds of things a lot that, of things that got, uh, due to, uh, ship travel, the, the containers fall over and then whatever the contents are, they just follow the, the ocean currents around and inside. There's of, another weird thing that rides the currents that also washes up a lot. Yeah, that, that's why we should do this as a. Okay, well maybe we'll think about it. If there's only two topics and we already brought them up to each other on a different episode. Yeah, but that, mean, that, has, that means there has to be more. Alright. Okay, back to the name. At a staff party, Ole held a contest offering a prize to the person who came up with the best name for the new company. It came down to Legio, which means Legion of Toys, or the name that we now know, Lego, which means play well in Danish. Or translated from Latin roughly as I Assemble. So what was the prize? A bottle of wine. A homemade bottle of wine. Ew, homemade! No, nobody asked for that. The name for the company was named after a bottle of wine had been exchanged. <sighs> Do I get that? Oh, yeah. Oh, thank God. Yeah, so you're right this week. And you're actually right for like pretty much the right reason. In 1964, Rain Guerriere Jr. was a game designer. He created a game that used people as the pieces to the game. But when he took his idea to 3M, they shot him down. And as a side note, 3M had a board game division. I was just about to say, 3M, the people that make, like, sandpaper. <laughs> Velcro and... Like, Masks. Titled Bookshelf Game Series, it was a line of games devoted to adults with mature content. And the games all fit into fake books that resembled the spines of hardcover books so that they could fit into a standard-sized bookcase. One of these was... Sleuth, which was essentially Clue, but without the board and pieces. So, basically a card game with the same premise. Other notable bookshelf game series were Backgammon, Chess, and Twixt. Twixt was a sort of Chinese checkers clone. Connect your side to the other by placing pegs in the matrices board and linking them with twine. Anyways, 3M didn't think they could market Junior's game called King's Footsie to adults, so they passed on it. King's Footsie. That's not it. Okay, good. Charles Foley was a successful game designer for Michigan. He had answered a wanted ad that was placed by Guillermo Jr., who was looking for a toy designer. Guillermo Jr. then hired Foley. Foley brought on Neil Robbins, a product design artist, to help brainstorming. Foley created a life-size game that used people as the game pieces, while Ravens introduced the idea of using colored map with dots representing the movement points depending on instructions given by a spinner. Foley and Ravens submitted the game as patent number... 3,454,279 and the trademark rights for the game pretzel <laughs> that's what it was now i remember fully met with longtime friend milton bradley to pitch the idea of pretzel bradley loved the game idea but renamed it twister the game was a hit in 1966 eva gabor played with johnny carson on the tonight show further exploding its popularity and here's my favorite quote from the entire story Bradley's competitors claimed that Bradley wasn't selling a game. He was, in fact, selling 
Sex in a box. I mean, let's be real. Nobody wanted to play that with their siblings. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) All right, honey. Those were pretty good, by the way. Number one. Devil dolls created by the U.S. government to scare kids. That's a lot of toy. Number two. Megatron is on the no-fly list. Okay, that's really good. (laughs) Number three. The creator of Sea Monkeys changed his name to escape Nazis. Oh, I feel like that's right. Because... I, I don't want to explain because I have an idea for another story in the future, but I think I think I I think that one's right. Read the second one again. Megatron is on the no fly list. Why is it just Megatron? It's probably like all Gundams and all I'm a Gundam. Michael doesn't know I'm a Transformer. Uh, and Transformers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but why isn't Optimus Prime on the Do Not Fly list? Why isn't Bumblebee? Screw Bumblebee. It's almost like I wonder if the story would explain anything to your little pea brain. What's the first one? Oh my god, you just you want need, me to... You need to put Devil dolls created by the U.S. government to scare kids. Yeah, that one's real. Give me that one. Okay, so number one is devil dolls created by the U.S. government to scare kids. Okay. This is a story about the CIA, and although we should be surprised when it comes to the truths that come out about the CIA, at this point, I am, and I bet you too, Michael, are not shocked about the high strangeness that goes on with those folks. What? No. (laughs) Super, Super norm, super cash. Super norm. That being said, in 2014, the Washington Post broke a story about an operation codenamed Devil Eyes, carried out in 2005 by the CIA. So... What do you think was going on around 2005? What little pies do you think the CIA had their grubby little hands in? Uh, the, the Patriot Act. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I wait, guess it's all the, that wait, time. That was more 2001. The CIA? Uh, Afghanistan? Are we in Iraq? I mean, well, there you go. Oh my God. That is oh one my, of the things we were doing. Oh my God, is this giving dolls to... Children overseas. Oh my god. Let's continue. Devil Eyes was a partnership between the CIA and Donald Levine, the former executive of Hasbro, who was known as the father of the G.I. Joe. But it is not G.I. Joe that the Washington Post wanted everyone to know about. Instead, it was Osama bin Laden. Yep. That tracks. <laughs> oh no, your eyes don't appear to be as shocked as I thought they would be. It turns out this partnership was made for a psychological operation, now popularized as the term PSYOP, aimed at making children in Afghanistan and Pakistan fear the Al-Qaeda leader and keep them from following him, his organization, or thinking positively of him at all. What was to happen was that Levine was going to design a doll that looked like Osama bin Laden that would ultimately terrify children and their parents and then use his connections in China to produce the doll, which would then be handed out to children by American soldiers. Oh my god, that's wrong on like so many levels. Oh my god. Yeah, but I mean they've had uh they've had a lot of instances where like they send soldiers 
They'll send people ahead of time to, like, go and pass out stuff to the poor kids so that when the soldiers do show up that they have a positive idea. So they'd been handing out stuff to kids. They still probably do that, where they, like, make sure the kids are, oh, look, at least you guys think the American soldiers are friendly. Yeah, but the flip side of that is the American soldier gave me a creepy Osama Bin Laden doll. (laughs) What? You think that's bad? I don't understand. Okay. Uh, This goal was accomplished when the face paint of the otherwise normal-looking doll either flaked off or was melted off. There are conflicting reports about how the paint comes off. And a red, demonic face would be revealed. According to the CIA spokesman Ryan Trapani at the time, the story broke, so he was the spokesman in 2014. They were only aware of three prototypes ever actually being made as the CIA decided to cancel the operation after seeing the prototypes. However, according to the Washington Post article, a person directly related to the manufacturing of the doll in China claimed hundreds had been made and sent to the Pakistani city of Karachi in 2006. The few photos that exist of the prototype show what looks like Bin Laden in traditional white garb. A detached head is also seen, which looks a lot like Darth Maul in a turban, and can be assumed to be what the face looks like when the fleshy paint comes off. So this is what he looks like. Oh my god, he looks like Darth Maul. He looks exactly like Darth (laughs) Maul. And I mean, this is 2005. (laughs) Anyways, that is pretty freaky if you ask me. So, there's only, like, one photo. Oh, so, like, you don't think because they'll find them on eBay? I don't, so, yeah, no, because they said there's only been three, so the CIA said there's only been three prototypes, and one of them is at CIA headquarters. I don't know, there's there's actually quite a bit of photos. I mean, they all, Yeah, they, they, they look all, like, they, they all, I mean, they could be the same one, but, I mean... They look like they're kind of derived from the same one. Yeah, but, see, they think it's Star Wars yeah, too! Before we continue, I cannot see GI Joe without thinking it's gastrointestinal Joe. <laughs> because I never GI Truck Joe. <laughs> I never played with them as a kid, so I don't have that sort of <laughs> attachment to them. Oh, uh, you know we had GI Joes growing up, but I, I didn't like GI Joes the way I liked Max Steel. Um, but what I do remember was in high school when YouTube was so big. Some of the first videos I watched were the GI Joe um, PSAs. And they're really hilarious and really awful. <laughs> we'll, we'll have to watch those later. Anyways. GI uh, Track Joe. Uh, so now I'm between... Megatron and uh, the Sea Monkey guy. The creator of Sea Monkeys changed his name to Escape Nazis. God, it's going to be like to escape the Russians. Or Megatron is on the no-flies list. Um, Give me Sea Monkey guy. I'm pretty sure that the lie is Megatron. Megatron! (laughs) You know how hard it was for me to write that without just keep writing it into the Transformers! (laughs) (laughs) Okay. The creator of Sea Monkeys changed his name to Escape Nazis. If you were a child in the 1960s, you likely enjoyed reading comic books and perusing the ads in the back for the next cool gadget or toy to pester your parents for. One of the most famous comic book ads was Sea Monkeys, small pets that would come to life when you added water. These, of course, were not monkeys, but brine shrimp that would hatch 
upon becoming moist. Nobody liked that. Well, I don't know. I didn't, I, I'm not bothered. But you didn't have to get right up on the mic and deep throw it at first. I'm sorry. How do you say moist? I say it from a reasonable distance. Moist. Another fine example of these famous childhood scams was the X-ray specs, glasses that could see not only through clothes but through human flesh, and for only a dollar. What a deal, huh? A deal at any price, really. (laughs) You know you can still get those, too, which is crazy that... (sighs) Harold von Braunhut, the inventor of these infamous items, was born Harold Braunhut, a Jewish boy from Memphis, Tennessee. Now, if you're thinking it's a little weird that someone from Tennessee would change their name simply by adding Vaughn to it in order to escape Nazis, that's because I made it up. In fact, <laughs> look, guys, this is where he's going to just tank the whole podcast after this because he hates that he picked it. And I, hate, I hate that this story is really true and you're lying to me. <laughs> <laughs> I hate that you put lies in your true story. <laughs> um, in fact, according to reports by the Anti-Defamation League, the Washington Post and other credible sources... Air quotes. Air quotes. (laughs) Harold von Braunhut was not only a member of the Ku Klux Klan, but also of the Aryan nation, and had instead added the von to his name to sound more German. Big oof. Fun, huh? Nice. I feel dirty after hearing that. Thanks. (laughs) Because that story was practically, Toy Maker is Nazi. Yeah, everybody loves that story, huh? Yeah, no. (laughs) That's the one that makes you feel warm and cuddly. (laughs) Okay. Braunhut had even marketed a telescopic whip-like baton called the Kyoga Agent M5, or the Kyoga Steel Cobra, which he found you could carry without a license as a form of self-defense for those who could not obtain gun licenses. The truth comes out. Yeah. This he advertised in Aryan Nation newsletters, as well as other morally questionable publications. So you're telling me the same dude made uh, uh, sea monkeys also came up with a baton that you can carry without a permit? Yeah, and uh, we're going to include the the ad for it, but um, it's very... They don't tiptoe around the fact they're like, you don't even have to have a gun, you don't have to have a license to carry this, you can take down... Uh, what was it, like, uh, an assailant of any size or strength, no matter the strength or something? Like, ugh. It's very, uh... You come up against a Goliath, and you're you're just chilling, dude. Super chilling. You just smack him. He then told Richard G. Butler, founder of the Aryan Nation, that for every Kyoga bought by an Aryan Nation member, he would donate $25 to Butler's defense in a 1987 sedition charge that he was later acquitted for. Hey, he was acquitted for it, so it's fine. It doesn't matter that he was up for uh, sedition. <laughs> Apart from this, the Washington Post broke in 1988 multiple times when Braunhut spoke on behalf of Butler at meetings to support the separation of the races. So he even was like, oh, you can't make it to your own rally? Yeah, 
I'll go stand in for you and tell everybody about how I think, you know, Jewish people suck and we shouldn't have uh, whites mingling with anybody else. Oh my god, how awful. And, worst part, once again, those x-ray specs I don't think even worked, so. (laughs) That's what you have a problem with right now? (laughs) This man shiced her all the way down. Although Braunhut died in 2003, sea monkeys are still sold by the Braunhut family under the company TransScience Corp. So, you know, nice uh, nice name that doesn't say anything about who it is or makes it sound a little bit more sciencey, educational. But if you're itching to grab some brine shrimp and don't want to prop up a dark legacy, Yolanda Braunhut and TransScience Corp dropped a 2009 lawsuit against Big Time Toys, who also manufactures sea monkeys but no longer pays royalties to Transcience Corp for the trademark. So you can go over to Big Time Toys and get yourself some little dust particles that sit inside of your water. And they float around. I don't mean to belittle the shrimp, but let's be real. This story is very weird. (laughs) It's very depressing. (laughs) Is that... Is that it? That's it. That's the, that. That was the that was the story. He changed his name to be more Germanish to hide his Jewish descent, uh, so that he could run along with Aryan Nation people and sell weapons and steal money from children. <laughs> All right, are you ready for the last one, the one you did not pick? Yeah. Which is about. Did you say Gundams? <laughs> Gundams. <laughs> well, now we are, you know, we've we've done a lot of controversial stuff, but now we really are going to get hate mail because you just said Gundams when it's a <laughs> Transformers story. <laughs> All right. Number two, or number three of this, but it was number two on my list. Megatron is on the no-fly list. I feel like that should be a, just like a given. I don't know how this is. <laughs> it's because he's a robot. He can't fit on planes. Yeah, like, <laughs> I don't even think he can fit in a DC-9. So, like. <laughs> Ooh, look at you. Okay. Just so we're on the same page, before this episode, I knew next to nothing about the Transformers franchise and their whole shtick. Now I still don't know much about Transformers, but I know a lot more about the big baddie Megatron. He's the bad guy. <laughs> I think Mark Wahlberg fights him in hand to in, in tire combat. Hand to tire combat. <laughs> Is that do you do you have to go to a dojo to learn that? I don't know. I didn't actually watch the movies, so. Have you seen any of the Transformers movies all the way through? No. <laughs> I have not seen a single one all the way through. I saw the first one for like the first twenty minutes, and I was just like. Mm bored no you catch you the movie channel through. and yeah. like you watch one of the you cool watch, scenes like, and then... a little bit and then you realize oh this is transformers i could be watching something else yeah. <laughs> and you just keep clicking uh okay so transformers was first and foremost a toy franchise created in 1984 by hasbro and the japanese toy company takara Tomi. due to ronald reagan's 1981 deregulation of tv advertising aimed at children a booming business had begun, with toy makers pumping ads out faster than they could create new toy ideas. Doesn't that sound great? I oh, love it. Educational TV programs such as Schoolhouse Rock were being canceled to make way for toy-inspired TV series aimed to keep kids focused on the next new toy. <laughs> Nobody needs to learn about the Constitution. We need to sell 
whatever pony he-man he action robot figure, action yeah he-man gi joe's with kung fu action grip. cat person <laughs> yeah, okay but you saw those commercials that was pretty cool he just like squeezed things that was pretty great <laughs> yeah it's so cool this was the case for cabbage patch dolls my little pony masters of the universe and many others an origin story TV series often helped promote the toy and keep it in the minds of young children the next time they begged their parents for something walking down the toy aisle. In response, toy brand execs were looking anywhere and everywhere for inspiration. So, what is something that would not only be super awesome toy, but a pretty cool origin story for later? Talking cars. Weird how you didn't say a robot that turns into a realistic Walter P338. Walther, oh, right? Walther, yeah. It's been a minute. <laughs> yeah. Sure, it's not talking cars. Was that watching Wait a, a minute. different movie? Hold on. Do the Transformers cars talk? Are you being facetious? I thought they just go beep, 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 burr, burr, burr. <laughs> okay, well, I hate you. Continue. <laughs> Wait, are you telling me? It wouldn't be weird if uh, after I left the bar and I saw one of those little stickers on the back of somebody's Nissan, I go up and go, hey, Nissan, I saw you're a Transformer. Well, I hope you hey. know the Nissan's actual name. <laughs> well, how am I that supposed to like, learn their that, name if they don't tell it to me? That would me? be like someone coming up to you, knocking on your forehead, hey, woman. <laughs> what? You say that like nobody's ever just said, hey, woman, to me. Yeah, and I'm saying that's not right. I'm also saying you shouldn't go up to a Nissan and say, hey, hey Nissan. Nissan. <laughs> okay, that's... Okay. <laughs> <laughs> We're missing the whole point no, here. Well, Megatron's a gun. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, we we're going to get back to that. Right, okay. That's right. Megatron, leader of the Decepticons, what? originally... Will you sh What, Michael? What? <laughs> <laughs> no, you get it out of your system, whatever you have to say. Yeah, he has lots of guns. He has, like, guns in his, like, arm, wing things. Of... Like... Yeah, but, but, like, not... I think he has a sword on, not like, World his foot. War... What, World War One? German guns? World War Two? Uh, yeah. World War Two ish World War Two era. Yeah, it's not like that. He has, like, space guns. Like, his guns go Super Saiyan and shit. That's right. Megatron, leader of the Decepticons, originally had three forms he could transform into. A particle beam weapon, a telescopic laser cannon, and the Walter P-38 semi-automatic pistol made famous in World War II by the German army. You're telling me he can only be one of those three things? I thought he was a car first and foremost. Or a, or a semi-truck. Uh, no, like, he has, like, forms... God, see, this is what's happening. This is just showing our ignorance about <laughs> Transformers. He's like Inspector Gadget. Just like, he can just turn into whatever he wants. <laughs> go, go, Megatron Particle Beam! <laughs> <laughs> Which is embarrassing because he has to say it every time so, like, the enemy knows what weapon he's going to use next. <laughs> never, like, not I nev even... never understood that about Inspector Gadget. Well, I think that's another thing. Like, he has to talk to his limbs and then they do the thing, right? Yeah, but you you feel like you could just think it, and then his you limbs would, would know. You would think he wouldn't have to go, 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 gadget, spring boots. You could just telepath, go, go, gadget, uh, well, finger match. Okay, maybe there... He did have a finger match, didn't he? Mm -hmm. In the movie, he did. Yeah. Oh, God, Matthew Broderick was... <laughs> <laughs> Inspector Gadget. Sorry, guys, I know it's not a movie podcast. 
This is not a movie pod. <laughs> we only talk about James Bond here. I feel like, I feel like that's the title of this one. <laughs> we only talk about James Bond and Inspector Gadget <laughs> on this pod. <laughs> Anyways, that's pretty sick, you know, for robots, I guess, as far as For a car. <laughs> Yes, for a Chevy Astro van. <laughs> Megatron had initially been named Gun Robo P38 and had a variant named Gun Robo P38 Uncle UNCLE, a reference to the 1960s American spy fiction series The Man from Uncle, whose character eventually carried a wall through P38. So, like, somebody's just like watching TV, like, can we make this into a toy? <laughs> can we make this into a gun? <laughs> Yeah, they're looking at the toy you <laughs> However, due to its shockingly realistic resemblance to a real gun and the fact it was produced before the U.S. laws that required toy guns to sport a 6mm wide orange tip on the muzzle, it was easy for the Generation 1 Megatron to be mistaken for a handgun. So, wait, 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 so... Oh yeah, we're gonna have pictures of this. It's pretty crazy what this thing looked was like. Was it a handgun or wasn't it? So he li- he turns into a Walter P thirty eight like it's a handgun he turns into. But the real life toy thing lo- yes. is a gun. Yeah, well you can't use it as a gun, but it looks like a gun. It okay. doesn't fire anything. Okay. At least uh, unless somebody modified it too. I bet there's somebody out there that's like my transformer is gonna be real for once. <laughs> <laughs> Megatron's gonna protect me for real. Unfortunately. Even though Megatron is technically an action figure, it is too much like a gun to be taken on a plane and falls under the toy guns and weapons category of the TSA regulations. So, maybe don't take your vintage toys with you on your next flight to, I don't know, wherever people fly to, Des Moines. Or just check your Megatron. Um, I don't know. You can check your, you can check weapons and they'll... I don't know if you can check Megatron, though. Well, yeah, well, he, well, let's get past the fact that he won't Michael, fit in the plane. I was about to say, I don't think he's going to fit in cargo. <laughs> yeah, so they had a story about a guy in oh God, Australia, I think, maybe, um, who they called the cops because he was he went out brandishing his transformer gun at his neighbor. <laughs> he's just waving a car at him. <laughs> Once again, not a car. The car <laughs> okay, so the car the car series came after. So he's he's been a robot. He's a space robot from the moon or whatever. And he raised actually, you know what you learn about him? He's actually like trying to make life better for robots and he like he's not that bad. Every villain's misunderstood, Brenna. <laughs> That's exactly what it is. He's like a misunderstood villain who also is bad to people. He doesn't like humans. He's and, just anti-human. And turns into a gun. Yeah, he turns into a gun, which is weird because the gun is made for a human hand to hold. Doesn't really make a lot of sense. Doesn't But that's track. another thing. That's why the toys came first and then they did the stupid cartoon after and be like, mm, how do we make this all make sense? <laughs> Side note... Nowadays, Transformers has moved on to animal and dino transformations, so Megatron no longer turns into a gun. So, Animorphs. You know what I'm starting to realize is people don't remember what Animorphs was. No, I don't think so. (laughs) I, well, okay, how about, like, the Power Rangers, but then they turn into the animal things instead of the, 
They had a they had an animal. Oh one, yeah, too, they had yeah they had a version of Power Rangers where yeah like instead of like, combining I'm the to, tiger to become mega. I'm thing, the. I don't know. Badger. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a fish out of water. <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted to make a, a magic carp reference. <laughs> the worst attacks. Okay. Um... So, he turns into things like a dinosaur that shoots eyeball lasers or something. So, now, like, they just go... Mm, Yeah. I guess you could take... So, can dinosaurs go on planes? Was that all you had? (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's my... Well, okay, I'm not allowed to ask... Michael, I'm just asking questions. I, I'm just asking questions. Yeah, okay? I, that should have came up in your research. I don't know why you're asking me. <laughs> go down the rabbit hole of, can dinosaurs can, go on can planes? You, can can you, you take a dinosaur in your carry-on? <laughs> Is Jabba the Hutt allowed to go on a plane? <laughs> can Cthulhu go on the planes? I just have all these, like, it's all the, the equations and stuff. Trying to figure out who can go on planes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so that's that's the end. Okay. Do you feel like you've learned anything? Ugh. Do you have any notables? Yeah. Did you know that... Do you, do you, you hear about this? Did no. you hear about how uh, sticks are considered the original toy? Are in the Toy Hall of Fame? Sticks. You know. And they didn't put rocks in? You know, they didn't put rocks in, but I imagine, you know, kids were probably playing with sticks more than rocks. Because you can poke stuff with sticks. And you can throw rocks at things. Yeah, but how many times did your dad throw a stick or uh, throw a rock and tell you to fetch it? I don't know. I'm not a dog. Wait, you're telling me you never did that? Do you have anything else? (laughs) Yeah, I did. Did you know that super elastic bubble plastic and balloonies were discontinued due to the noxious plastic fumes that could be inhaled through the special straw used to blow up the balloons? So you get high by blowing up a balloon. Do you remember those things? The the so the, it was like a gob of like plastic and you stick oh, a straw yeah. in it. You just like stick a straw anywhere. Yeah. yeah, and you start just blowing it up. Yeah, so those when you inhale <laughs> the apparently the, the noxious fumes that you inhale when you're trying to blow in, uh are bad for you so oh. yeah they got recalled they don't, you can't do that but i looked up they have some other thing that you can stick straws into and i don't know i feel like you could stick a straw to anything if you're brave enough i believe abraham lincoln said that the stick a straw on anything challenge get out there people i think abraham lincoln said that or was it that other guy wayne gretzky oh my god i really do get those two confused all of the time the only thing I had was the uh, we kind of we kind of touched on it in the uh, Cold War episode, but uh, bicycle playing cards. Oh yeah, yeah, where they were putting the, the... they yeah they they made special edition cards that would have uh, maps on them. So if you got them wet, they would the cards would separate and uh, they would uh, disperse the cards to POW camps in uh, World War Two to disperse maps. And the people overseeing the POW is like, wow, these guys are so clumsy. They're always just spilling They're stuff always, all over their cards. Always, God. always dropping their cards into the muck. Every time they play a game, they're like, whoopsie daisy. God, you can't even, te- you can't even trust them with a glass of water. Set it. I guess that's it for that.
Okay, well, um, thank you for listening. Uh, have a good one. Uh, we'll see you uh, in a bit. On the flippity flop. Bye. For show ideas, inaccuracies, or general comments, you can email us at thelivepatrol at gmail.com. Intro and outro music provided by The Simulation Hypothesis by Revolution Void. Found on the Free Music Archive, CCBY License. Thank you for listening. Skin tag removal. Say goodbye to unwanted skin tag. It's actually written at, like, good, B-U-Y, and that threw me for a loop. Because I didn't know you could sell your unwanted skin tags. But there probably is a market for them. Don't say that. Don't buy skin tags, people. Oh, no. Not the skin tags. Just to hydrate them. And then you got person rinds. Isn't that just what cornflakes are?